Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, how well do people know you? I mean, really know you. How well do people know you? I would uh, venture to say that in general, people know us about as well as we want them to. Um, because all of us, uh, you know, I mean, people know us, the people around us, the, you know, they know what we let them know. And, and most of us have some things that, you know, we're just not going to go there if we can help it. You know what I mean? Things that you, you're not in a hurry to, to open up and share with. And, and really the reality is so that we have these things in our lives that we're not excited about being open about with anybody. And so we are not known there. And, and that feels safer, doesn't it? Right? It's just, just safer if, if people don't know certain things. At least that's the way we feel. But what a blessing it is if you have somebody in your life who really does know you. Someone maybe you have spent a long time with and you've been through so much together and they know so much about you. And that's, that is such a good, they know so much about you and they still want to have a relationship with you, right? I mean, that's good news. We're encouraged by that. But, you know, even those people, sometimes there's still some things that, you know, they don't know about. They don't know what we think or how we feel about something or something that's happened to us or something we've done, and we just don't go there. Now, you might be saying, hey, no, I'm an open book. My life is an open book. Well, what I've discovered is that people whose lives are open book, they are much more open. People do know much more about them, but there's always still something, something somewhere that, no, not going there, you know, that... that we alone know, and maybe nobody else in the world, the whole world knows, but us. Um, now, now, the problem with this is that when we have those kinds of things in our lives that nobody knows but us, um, we find ourselves struggling sometimes to believe what God has said about us. You know, God loves us unconditionally. He loves us to the end. And, and we're like, well, yes, but, right? You know, I don't know about me. Or, or, but I just, we struggle to believe what God says because of these things in our lives that are, that are secret and aren't known to anybody. So, he, well, yes, it's true, but, you know. Or, or maybe um, we have this, this you know, sense of... Uh, knowing ourselves, and, and so something comes up and we need to respond or, or we need to do something and we find ourselves fearful because we have these things, experiences in our lives or, or thoughts or how we see ourselves that's not known, it's, it's, it's inside us. And so we think, well, yeah, okay, but, but what if, right? What if this happens or, or what if that goes down or what if someone finds out? And so we're governed by fear. 
And then there's times when we think, you know, it's time to, as Pastor Dave talked about, to, to, to speak up about our faith or to speak into a situation or to do something. And we think about ourselves and we, we know our flaws. We know our shortcomings. We know things about ourselves that nobody else knows. And so we start thinking, well, who am I? Who am I to say something? Or who am I to, to do something here? Uh, and... Then once again, sometimes opportunities come along and people miss really good opportunities in their life because they have these things in their lives that, that are secrets that they know about, nobody else knows about, and it makes them fearful, you know. Well, I'm, I'm afraid to try. I'm afraid to step out and try because, you know, I know these things. You know, I'm afraid to try that because of this. And then there's always the fear that, you know, whatever we're doing, whether we're sharing our faith or trying to live the way the Lord wants to or step out and do something that needs to be done, that somehow rather because these things that I know about in my life that I really just assume nobody else knew about, if I step out and, and do what God wants me to do, you call me a hypocrite because this doesn't match, right? Hypocrite. Nobody wants to be called a hypocrite. And so we have these kinds of things that work against us, right? Because while we may be very well known to people around us, there, there's always something that isn't known. And there's a really good solution to this. And it's not about, okay, time to just open up and spill your guts about everything to everybody. In fact, we'll just schedule a Sunday morning and have you come up and tell us everything, Right? It isn't about that. No, there's a really good solution that the Lord has for us in this. And, and, but the idea is this, once you get a hold of this solution that God has, what you start to find is that, you know what? Maybe I can be a little more open because I find myself around others who have taken advantage of the same solution and maybe we can be a little more open with each other. And so it, it's a solution that can change everything. And the, the solution is this, that we are intimately known by God. We are intimately known by God. Let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm 139. And if you uh, don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to take one from under the chairs there in front of you and um, follow along, page 718. We're going to look at a lot of verses today. I think it would be very helpful to you to follow along. Now, just a little background here. King David is the one who wrote this psalm, and it's very real to him, and we'll see before we're done that this is very real, very practical, what's going on in his own life. Um, but he's talking about how God knows us. And he uses the, uh, uh, a Hebrew word, yada, which means to know. And it really means to know that you can... He, you ascertain things because you see. You can see everything. And so you know it. Okay? This is the same word that's used rather famously, uh, right? It, right there in Genesis uh, chapter um, 4, I think. This is Adam knew his wife, referring to the intimate sexual relationship that they had in this covenant relationship. And this idea, it's, it's a knowledge that only those two shared and only they knew, okay? 
And that's the word that's used here. And he's not, obviously he's not talking here about a sexual relationship, although God knows all about that. Um, but it's this kind of word that, that's intimate and um, full and complete. So let's, let's just jump into the psalm here. So he starts off, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. Let's start. The very first thing I want you to understand from this psalm today is that God knows you completely and intimately. Okay? That's kind of the overarching thing here. God knows you completely and intimately. So let's continue. So he says, you've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. Okay, well, that's pretty easy, right? You can see, someone sits down, they get up. But he says, you know that kind of thing. He says, you comprehend my path and my lying down. And the idea here is that the Lord knows all of this. He's over all of it. He sees all of it. Where you're going, where you're not going. And you are acquainted with, what's the next word? All my ways. I would venture to say to you that, that there are things about ourselves that we don't know our own way. We don't know how we are. We don't know how we respond. We aren't conscious of it, but the Lord knows. He knows us completely. And he says, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. So when we get ready to speak, the Lord already knows, doesn't he? He knows what's going on in our heart and knows what's going to come out of our mouths. <sighs> Do you ever say something that didn't come out right? Yeah, right? That causes all sorts of trouble, doesn't it? The nice thing about a conversation with God is he always knows what you mean. He knows. Even if you don't say it right. What a comforting thing that is for prayer. Right? But so he knows what I'm going to say. He knows what, what I mean by it. And he says, you know it all together, inside and out, over and above and around. And then he says, you have hedged me behind and before. And this word hedged is the idea of protecting. Put a protection behind me and protection before me. He knows where I need to be protected. He knows where I'm at risk. And he protects me there. And you've laid your hand upon me. And I, and I have this, this picture that, you know, I, I'm more of aware of it now with my grandkids, but I'm sure I did it with my own kids. But, you know, if you go out someplace and you're in a crowd, maybe in the city, and you know, you're walking and you get across the streets and all this kind of stuff, a crowd of people, that, you know, you come up to a place where you've got to stop, you know, and you, but I, my hand would go out and put on my child, right, on their shoulder, on their back or whatever, or, or stop them or whatever. And then when it's time to go, I'm moving them along with me. So I don't lose. And this is what God does with us. He's there with us. He's sensitive to what's going on and knows what we need from him. And he works in our lives and meets our needs. And he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I can't grasp. And so the reality here is that God knows more about me than I know. He does. He knows what my motivations are when I don't understand what they are. He knows what my fears are when I don't understand what they are. He knows what my needs are when I don't understand what they are. And sometimes that means I'm getting it wrong. He knows what's right. He knows all of those things. And so here's the reality. So God knows you completely and intimately so you can safely believe and trust whatever God's word says about you. When God's word says that 
that you are of this like infinite valuable to him. He loves you that way. You can believe it because he knows you. I mean, because he isn't that the fear we kind of talked about in, in, a little bit ago, that if somebody came to know you, they might change how they feel about you, right? When we are human beings and we love and we love with an imperfect love and sometimes the idea is if you found out something about someone, you might struggle with, how do I feel about them now? What do I think to do? Guess what? God already knows. And he has moved toward you, not away. God already knew, sent his son to die and pay for all that. I almost used a bad word. Mess, okay? He knows about all that and has loved you. So you can believe what he says about you. Anything he says, he says you can trust, you know, you are able to serve. You are, whatever it is he says about you, you can trust that he knows what he's talking about because he knows you, okay? All right, so the second truth from this psalm that we want to see today is that God is always present in your life. Now, this is assuming that you know Christ as Savior, okay? Because one of the things God knows about us is he knows every sin we have ever committed and he knows every sin we ever will commit. He knows all of those things. Which is why he sent his son to die, right? He sent his son into the world, lives a perfect and sinless life, dies on the cross, and as he dies on the cross, he pays the penalty for my sins and your sins, the sins of the whole world, pays for them in full, and that we can have that payment applied to us if we will put our faith in Jesus as Savior. Right? We say, okay, God, I see it. I've, I've sinned against you. My sins have separated me from you. Um, they will separate me from you forever if I don't receive your son as Savior. So by faith, I receive your son as Savior right now. I accept his payment for the penalty for my sins. And, and we do that. And God says every sin is forgiven. We receive eternal life and he moves in and doesn't ever move out. That's good news, isn't it? But so if we've made that decision, and if you haven't made that decision, you can do it right now, just in your heart. Have that conversation with God. Or if you have questions, please talk to one of us afterwards. We'd love to help you understand this and, and settle this issue between you and God. But once you do, like I said, God moves in, never moves out. That God is always present in your life. He's present in you. He's a present around you. He's present everywhere. Let's look and see what the psalm says here. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Assuming I wanted to, okay? Where can I go to get away from you, God, is what he's saying. Where can I flee from your presence? He says, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And that word that's translated hell there means the place of the dead. It's not hell as we might normally think of it. So whether I, I go to heaven or I go down to the grave, you are there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, in other words, if I, you know, the sun comes up and if I just disappear in that direction, far away, you know, I just go out in the ocean and disappear someplace, what? Even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So there's nowhere we can go where God will not be working in our lives. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he will what? He will direct your path. He will lead you. There is nowhere you can find yourself in life where God will not lead you. And it's better than that because he says, in your right hand, 
Your right hand shall hold me. And in the Bible, when it talks about the right hand, it's talking about the strength, the power, the, the ability to do. It says, you will hold me. So there's no place I can go where God is letting go. He isn't letting go. He's always there with us. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. You know, we have this sense of, uh, wow, it's dark, you can't see. Well, in a symbolic sense, sometimes life is like that, isn't it? Has life ever felt pretty dark to you? Have you ever found yourself in a really dark place? You can't maybe see in your own self what needs to happen. You can't see what's happening in the world around you, and you could start to despair. But David here, you know, the Holy Spirit inspiring him to speak, says, even there God is with us. God is not, the darkness doesn't affect God. And so when I'm in that darkest of dark places, the Lord is there with me, and he can see clearly, even when I can't. And this good news. And I love this song. I love the things it's saying. So we want to learn to live by it. So here's the, the response to this. You don't need to be controlled by fear because God is always present. You know what? Wouldn't that change your life in general? If we just think of it in physical sense and material. We're going through life that no matter what happens, I don't need to be governed by fear. Now, is fear going to happen? Sure, fear happens. Okay, it just does, because something happens, and you start. I, I, I came home from work yesterday, and I came in the door, and I pulled the door like this, and my wife went, ha! Ah! <laughs> this is a regular occurrence in my house. <laughs> Fear happens, <laughs> okay? But life is like that, too. It can do the same thing to us. Something comes along. Somebody says something. Somebody does something. An accident happens. Whatever, right? Fear comes. But just as soon as the fear comes, we, it is possible to begin to learn and understand and live by, wait a minute, the Lord is present here. He sees all this. He's not caught by surprise. I don't have to be controlled by this fear. I can make different decisions. I can respond differently. Deuteronomy chapter 31 says this. It says, in the Lord... He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. you do, so do not fear nor be dismayed. And then very well known to us, Psalm 23, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you, Lord, are with me. Okay? His presence in our lives, we do not have to be controlled by fear. Fear may happen. But we don't have to be controlled by it. By the way, people make really bad decisions when they're being controlled by fear. And so when we choose instead to remember that the Lord is present and capable, I can make better decisions. All right, so let's continue. The next thing is this, that God brought you to it, into existence specifically designed for his good purposes. Okay? God has good purpose for your life, and, and you are designed for those things. Um, let me just say that we live in a, a culture these days where 
children are taught from the earliest times that they are accidents of the universe. Now, they may not say it to them, but that's what they tell them, right? Because where did everything come from? It just happened by accident. It's random chance. All you are ultimately is a, uh, you know, this uh, organism that uh, has somehow rather evolved to this state you're in. You know, human beings don't really have any value, right? I mean, try to make yourself valuable or whatever. And they grow up, and then if things happen in their life or whatever, and they become troubled, they're struggling with mental health issues, and then they go kill a bunch of other people. Right? I mean, it's, it's devastating. It's sad. And, and, yeah, we as a country do need to figure out what, what can we do and to try to stop this. We do. But I want you to see that... Um, the fact that you are designed by God means that you have value. The fact that you bear the image of God means you have value. And man, we need to make sure that we pass that on to our kids and our grandkids and the people we know, that you are valuable. You matter. you got these problems and struggles in your life. You matter, and God can work in your life, and God can help you, and let us help you. And yeah, it's not going to be easy, but it's a, you know, there's good solutions here. So that people don't have to end up giving up hope, giving up despair, you know, into despair, and then acting out in ways that are damaging to people. All right, so we have been designed for his good purposes. Uh, verses 13 and 14 applies to all of us. He says, for you formed my inward parts. And he's not just talking about my physical insides. He's talking about everything that's a part of me. This would include, you know, the physical parts, but it also includes the, the personality, the basic personality that I have, uh, basic approach to life, all those kinds of things. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Um, we talked a little bit about last week, so I'm not going to... Uh, Focus in on it. But do you understand how amazing you're, you are as a human being? Um, you know, how you have a, a heart that just keeps beating until it doesn't eventually because of sin, it's curse in the world. But it just, it beats and it beats. And why does it do that? You have this whole circulatory system that works and provides and, and takes the, sends the good out and brings the bad out and all of this. You have a digestive system. You have a nervous system. And all those things can get out of whack because of the world we live in. But do you understand how complex you are? You are amazingly complex. And so this is why David says, I am, and he didn't know half of what we know, maybe, or less than that. And he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's amazing. And then we see this. This is more personal. My frame literally means my bones, okay? But so it's my structure. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Can I remind you that Psalms is poetry? Okay? Uh, you don't need to think that somehow rather, you know, you were wrought in the lowest parts of the earth somehow. He's talking about that place that can't be seen. 
And nowadays we can see with ultrasound, isn't it amazing, the, the images you can get of, of an unborn baby, right? You can actually see the facial features and everything. But they didn't have that then. And so David's writing, man, when I was being formed in my mother's womb, when nobody could see me, I was skillfully wrought. God works skillfully to prepare me for what he wants for me in my life. He says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. So it's unformed and yet God sees what he's going to be. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So he's saying that, that God has good purposes in our lives, things that he wants to do through us. And so he's worked in our lives and designed us to be able to do those things to prepare us for those things. Now, well, let's just talk, because uh, I always want to just try to be as open with things as we can. The reality is here is that we live in a sin-cursed world, right? And so sometimes things break, don't they? Sometimes in the development of a child in the womb, something we would say goes wrong. In other words, isn't normal? And a child is born with what we would call defects, right? You go, well, where was God in all of that? Well, I don't think that, that what, God, what uh, the Spirit is saying to us is that God has micromanaged all those details. But in his great wisdom and his skill, he has worked in our lives so that the way we are, we are able to honor and glorify him greatly. And so a child that is born with defects, even serious ones, God has allowed that to happen, and if he has allowed it, this is key, and this is one of the things we have to understand. If God has allowed it, then good can come out of it. And, and that means if God has allowed pain and suffering in our lives, what? Good can come out of that. And we don't always know what that is, and I think we've got to be careful how we talk about those things. Oh, don't worry about it. God's got a good purpose in it. No, yeah, one of God's purposes in it is that, that we care and that we hurt and we share. So the idea is whatever you think about yourself, you think, oh man, I'm, I'm flawed. I'm flawed physically. I'm flawed intellectually. I'm flawed whatever way. No, you're not. You're not flawed when it comes to glorifying God. Because you can let God be seen in your life, whatever the circumstances are. And so know that God has been involved with you. And he has a a purpose for you in life. And we see this reflected when he talks about the body of Christ. And by, anybody notice we're all different? Anybody besides me? I mean, I know I'm the only normal one. <laughs> but we're all different, aren't we? Okay, this is by God's design. Not just physically, but our personalities, our interests, our, our skills, all those kinds of stuff. And so we see this reflect when he talks about the body of Christ. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. One body with lots of parts. Okay, continue. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What's the answer? That's actually a question. What's the answer? No. And if the eye should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? No, that's not true. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now 
God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So we see this in the body of Christ, but this is true in the world too. That God has allowed us each to be distinctly individual. And even identical twins are uniquely designed by God because guess what? At some point they aren't identical anymore. They start off identical genetically, but one twin was on this side of mom and the other twin was on this side of mom. They're already beginning to have a different experience, aren't they? This twin is laid here, this twin is laid there. I mean, so we're all unique. We all have something that God has designed us for. And so he knows us like this, right? So he brought you into existence specifically designed for his good purposes. And this means that you need to learn how God has designed you so you can devote yourself to that. I mean, some of us are analytical, okay? And that's kind of me. I'm analytical. I love to, to look at stuff, read stuff, figure it out. How's it work? What's it mean? How do we apply it? I mean, that's why I you know, love to get in the word of God and teach it. Some of us are analytical. Some of us are um, mechanically minded. There are some of you guys, maybe ladies here, who, you know, you can fix a car and that comes easy to you and you're excited about it. You know, you enjoy doing it. You're designed for it. Someone who's an artist, whether it's, you know, graphic arts, paintings, or, or musicians, an artist, and you, you're made for that. Whatever, you see what I'm trying to say? That God has designed us and he has something for us to be and do. And where will you most, where will his image and his handiwork be the quickest seen in you? That isn't the right way to say that. But, you know, to be seen in you the quickest. It's when you are aligning yourself with what he made you to do. Okay? And so you want to figure out what that is and go do it. And then finally here, oh, it's not the last thing, but God knows way more about you in your life than you will ever comprehend. He knows way more about you. Let's look in verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Okay, I'm so glad, God, that you know all these things. You know all about me and everything in my life. And it's more than I can comprehend, right? Uh, they would be more in number than the sand. And so, you know, scientists like to do this kind of thing. They estimate how many grains of sand there are in the world. And uh, as they estimate there's seven and a half quintillion grains of sand in the world. Some of you have that much money in your bank account, right? Quintillion, it's, it's, a, it's a billion billions or something like that. I mean, it's a big number, okay? And he says here that what God knows is more than that. I guess this idea of this, what can I think of? What's the biggest number I can think of? And God knows more than that. And I like this, when I awake, I'm still with you. So it's kind of like, that's a dream. I, I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming about this. You know, what's God? And I say, and then all of a sudden, wait a minute, I come back to myself. This is not a dream. It's true, God is still here and present. It's exactly the way that he is. Now the Lord says this in Isaiah, he speaks these words. He says, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning 
and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Um, God knows more about you than you can comprehend. How many of you know what your future is? I mean, I'm not planning to, to leave here today and get killed in a car accident. Could it happen? It could happen, right? I don't, you know, all these things, we just don't know about the future, and so we can find ourselves a little bit concerned, but listen, God knows all of that. He knows all of that, and so you can confidently trust him for your future well-being because of what he knows. Go ahead and go to that if you would, Eduardo. You can confidently trust him for your future well-being. And I think the future is one of the things that people have anxiety over. We don't have to. And finally, God is aware of and sovereign over everything that works against you. Let me, let's have a little fun here with our psalm, okay? So David is praying, and I don't know if you remember the first week I told you that when, if you get in the psalms and you're thinking about them and trying to apply them, maybe especially if you do like I did, you try to pray the things that the psalms is talking about, that you're going to run into things you go, hey, wait a minute. All right, so here's David. Now, well, let's just read it here. Verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. <laughs> God, just kill them. I don't know about you, I read that and I go, wait a minute, I don't think that's the way I'm supposed to feel. <laughs> I mean, David had very real people who were trying to kill him, <laughs> trying to, to take his throne away from him, all that kind of stuff. And so this is a real prayer of David's heart. God, would you stop these people? Would you care for me? But Jesus said, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. And do good to those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who use you wrongly. Love your enemies. And so I, I see that. But I, I want you to see that the reality here is that, do you have any enemies? You know, when I think of human beings, I don't feel like I have any personal enemies. I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know if you feel like you do or not. But the reality is I do have an enemy. Satan is my enemy. He wants nothing but ill for me. Right? He wants to destroy me, ruin me. He wants to prevent me from serving the Lord. He will, anything he can, and he has d d demonic forces that work with him in that. Now, when I talk about this, don't worry about this. I'm not going to uh, uh, belabor this, but Satan and his demons have no direct access to you as a believer. You're owned by God. He can't, he can't get in uh, and let, only one of two ways can he touch you. And one is if God has allowed it like he did with Job. And if God allows it like he did with Job, God has good purposes and he's going to bring you out of that and through that. The only other way you bring that in is when you choose to bring it in by your own decisions, by what you decide to take in. But even there, you still belong to God. But nonetheless, he is an enemy, and there are people who unwittingly serve him. There are people who wittingly serve him. And so they would be in opposition to God and against me and against you. 
Yeah, at some point I'll have to, we'll spend some time and talk about how all that works, okay? But so we do have enemies, and so we ought to go to God. God, would you deal with my enemies? Would you deal with those things that, that come against me, right? Those, those temptations that get brought my way. You know, lead us not into temptation. You know, protect us from that. Anyway, so this is David praying, and then he says, verse 20, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Okay, so David is probably seeing that these people who are, are actually against God. They're standing against God. And then he says this, Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe? Loathe is a cool word. And do I not loathe? You guys don't have that kind of feeling? I, uh, do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Now, once again, here in the New Testament, as believers, we love our enemies. We're supposed to love our enemies. But I want you to see this, that last phrase that he says, I count them what? I count them as enemies, as my enemies. Why? Because they're your enemies, God. I'm going to align myself with the Lord. And so, so um, well, before I talk about that, let's look and see the, the, this reality that in our world there are people who stand in opposition to God. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? You've seen it on the news? You've seen it in your own life? There are people who actually stand in opposition to God. Okay? And we find ourselves kind of stuck in between there. These are people sometimes that we know and we have to interact with. And then there's God on this side. Elijah said this uh, when he was uh, challenging the prophets of Baal and the people. It says, Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. They weren't choosing. Too risky to choose. If I choose the wrong one here. And, and we got to be careful. You know, we walk through life like that as Christians. You know, well, if I stand with God here, this person may be upset with me. But if I stand with that person, then I'm not doing what God wants to do. And, and we end up like this. God uh, talking to some Christians in Revelation. He says, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Okay? He's not, he, he wants us to choose him. And so here's the deal. You can confidently align yourself with God in every circumstance of life. Because this is what David has done, okay? He's talking about the enemies, my enemies, and he realized, okay, God, they're actually against you, and so what? God, I'm with you. Okay? I'm with you, Lord. I'm going to align myself with you. What I believe, I'm going to align with you. What I do, I'm going to align with you. And this is not about being a jerk or an idiot toward people, right? But it is about, no, I'm going with the truth. I'm going with God. And we align ourselves with him in life. And then, then finally, verse 23 and 24, it goes back to where we started. Search me, O God, and know my heart. All right, so in the beginning he says, you have searched me, you have known me. And then David talks about all these things that that means in his life because God has searched him and known him. And now he, he goes back and says, keep doing it, Lord. Keep searching me. Keep knowing me. And then like, you're not going to like this. Try me or test me and know my anxieties. 
He's saying, put me to the test. Bring trials in my life, Lord, to show what I'm anxious about. Reveal my anxieties to me. That sound like a prayer? I'm going to go home and pray today. God, would you just bring things in my life that make me anxious? No, that's not what we're praying. We're saying, God, would you work in my life so that the anxiety that you know I have, you show me that I have it? So that I can learn, so that I can grow, keep working in my life. Verse 24, and see if there's any wicked way in me, anything that doesn't belong, and lead me in the way everlasting. So God knows what needs to change in your life, doesn't he? He knows what needs to change. And so our response is this, that, that you need to be willing to change whatever is needed. Go ahead and go to that next slide. Be willing to change whatever is needed so you can freely live the way God intended. And it is a blessing. I tell you, every time in my life where I've got to this place where I were getting this truth, it is good. It is so good. Think about this now. Most of us have had a job in life probably that we weren't all that excited about. <laughs> Anybody here ever have a job that you just weren't that excited about? The rest of you haven't or you've fallen asleep? Right? We find ourselves with things we have to do that, that we aren't excited about, you know? And we get a day off, we get excited. Well, what if you could, all of a sudden you found yourself doing a job that when the day off came, you went, oh, I don't get to go work today. Because you love what you're doing. You're excited about it. What I want to say is life can become like that. When you, when you grasp these truths and you let the Lord reveal to you the things that need to change in life, change how you're thinking, change what you're doing, change how you're responding, change what you're believing, uh, and you begin to do that, all of a sudden life can be you wake up and when you finally awake enough, you go, oh wow, I get to go walk with the Lord today in life. I get to do what he made me to do. I'm excited. Free. It's available. It's something we want to keep working toward. Let the truths of Psalm 139 sink in and shape your life. And you can come to that place where you can freely live the life that God intends for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you know us like this, Lord. Help us not to forget that you know us. Uh, help us, Lord, to have an attitude of inviting you to search us and know us. And so you can show us the things in our lives where we need to grow, where changes need to be made. And sometimes we, we believe wrong things and try to run away from that. But help us to instead embrace it. Lord, help us to remember that even in those areas of our lives where no one else in the world knows and we just assume they didn't, that you know all about that and you have loved us and you've met our needs and you're going to continue to do so as we walk with you. I pray you'd continue to take these truths, Lord, and in each of our own lives where we're at, help us to see it, help us to respond. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.